Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. Christian Clemente here tonight on, uh, I guess we're about 30 seconds late. Someone in the someone in the chat already said that, but a little live, live podcast here with Jason Caldwell. Uh, Philip Dukes is going to hop in here in a couple minutes. I think Nathan King is going to pop up as well. He's still up in Huntsville with his family after the Auburn basketball game on Wednesday night. Um, but we're going to do kind of a catch-all. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, Jason. We're six days away from signing day now. Transfer portal stuff doesn't come to a close this weekend, but this is the last weekend to get guys on campus before the dead period hits. So kind of feels like there's going to be a lot of movement this weekend one way or the other. Um, in terms of that, bowl practices start on Saturday. We'll have a press conference with Hugh Freeze on Saturday. Get to watch a little bit of practice. Um, obviously, Auburn basketball played on Wednesday. The 2024 schedule got released on Wednesday. We were in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, fresh off our trip to Tuscaloosa. Uh, for the Super 7, and we were at Hattiesburg, Mississippi for the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game practice. Um, a couple of guys that we thought were going to be there ended up not being there. Um, Cam Coleman opted out, as did Caleb Harris, um, fresh off you know, playing in the 7A state title game just a couple of days beforehand. They decided to opt out, um, as did Perry Thompson as well. So they were not there, but Bryce Kane was there. Malcolm Simmons was there. Malik Blockton was there on the Alabama team. Jamonte Waller was over on the Mississippi team. And then you had Ryan Williams, of course, the five-star wide receiver, fresh off his reclassification on Monday, got a last-second invite and was able to make it. So we got to catch up with those guys and see them practice. Um, Jason, just your initial takeaways from, you know, we only really got to watch Skeleton, a little bit of Skelly, not too much else. But for me, it was Malcolm Simmons that kind of stole the show a little bit. He was getting a ton of targets early on, but your kind of impressions and takeaways from that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's always interesting to hear coaches, um, other players that maybe they haven't seen these guys in person, but a lot of times it's the coaches because normally the other players are watch other guys, um, you know, recruits and, and other players like that. Coaches normally only watch the people they're playing against. And so if they haven't played a common opponent and they didn't see that personal film, they might not have done a whole lot of background and, and, and watched a whole lot of these guys pretty obvious that that and and we should say this that that you know ron williams who reclassified is in 2024 is in the game his head coach jeff kelly is the offensive coordinator uh, and so pretty quickly malcolm simmons was the guy that was getting obviously ron williams is going to get a ton of targets malcolm simmons get a bunch of those targets too and so um to see him kind of jump in there right away and 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 kind of get involved and you see the dynamic skill set that he's got uh, pretty impressive him and Bryce Kane outside obviously Ryan Williams is a guy that's just ridiculous and and we'll talk I'm sure more about him as we get out here but Michael Simmons Bryce Kane both are guys that you look at them and go those guys absolutely belong on the stage um they're guys that that can stand up against anybody and speed and athleticism through the roof and so um that's the first thing that jumped out to me when you look at at that wide receiver group was um, the guys they have, even with without two five-star guys and Cam Coleman and, and, and Perry Thompson, even without those guys, that's still a, a, a ridiculously good wide receiver group. Yeah. I mean, Bryce Kane, you know, you know, at this rate, kind of what you're getting out of him um, incredibly fast. It's obvious, even against some of the fastest guys in the state of Alabama, you can tell just how different his speed level is. Um, and it was a, uh, 
when you see it out there, it's pretty clear. Um, and then Jason, we got a chance to talk with both of those guys. You know, they've been through different football journeys in the sense that Malcolm was highly regarded as an athlete. A lot of schools thought, you know, maybe he's a DB. Even Auburn at one point recruited him as a DB. Um, he went over to Georgia for a year for high school football. I think Jonesboro um, comes back to Benjamin Russell, just ends up kind of playing running back as a junior because that's where he ended up. The, the team needed him. Um, and then this senior year, his, his, it's been his chance really to kind of focus on receiver. And for Bryce Kane, this is a guy who in, is in his second season of football ever. Um, so two younger guys in terms of being receivers, Malcolm's been playing football a little bit longer, but in terms of being receivers, definitely younger. Um, Cooper Patagna was there. One of our rankings guys, one of our guys at 24 seven sports. Um, and, you know, we were talking, um, we've got an update in the 24 seven rankings coming on the 18th. And it looks like Malcolm Simmons has definitely played his way up. Um, Bryce Kane as well. You know, he's already a top two, four, seven prospect, but it seems like he's going to get bumped up a little bit as well. Jason, just a, We've talked about it ad nauseum at this point. Four really, really good receivers that Auburn already has in the boat right now. Yeah, and I think it's going to be four, you know, four consensus, four-star better receivers um, when this thing comes out. And and obviously, Malcolm Simmons is a guy that's that's been ranked as an athlete more than anything because, as you mentioned, um, kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit going back to Georgia as a sophomore, came back to Benjamin Russell, played running back, played more DB gets to play wide receiver um, this year. And I'll tell you what else it can be. Michael Simmons could be a dang punter in, in college yeah. football. Um, there's no question about that. He could be a punter and be a dangerous one. Uh, you know, we talked to a high school coach and said, look, we played them. And the thing that you prayed for was a good snap. And you prayed for none of your guys to rush the punter. That's what you wanted. Cause I mean, he can punt it, but you don't want him running the ball. And uh, so, yeah, so really impressed by those guys. Um, you know, kind of started with them. Um, and then, you know, we saw a little bit more Malik Blockton because we watched a, a couple of Alabama practices, but um, Malik had some really good plays. And he's in his element when you put the pads on and start playing. And they did some inside drill and some of those things. And that's where he started to kind of find his groove a little bit. And um, we've seen Malik play a bunch. The thing that, that Christian, when we're out there on the practice field, he loves it. He's it so is, vocal absolutely you can tell that he there's no place on earth he would rather be than on the football field and that's something that as a as a as a defensive lineman you find that attitude um i mean it reminds me a whole lot of his brother marcus he gets out there and they're having fun playing and so uh, that 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 love and excitement about playing the game is what jumps out to me when i look at malik blocking yeah, I mean, we were talking about it on the drive home. Wouldn't be surprised if he's a captain, really vocal guy on that team. Um, both Malik and Bryce. I don't know if Bryce is going to go through bowl practices, actually, but Malik, we do know. Um, he's packing up his stuff on Sunday, and he'll be there late on Sunday, kind of Monday, to get in some reps. Bryce is an early enrollee guy. I just don't remember him saying that he was going to go through bowl practices, but he will be here in January. Um, and then Malcolm Simmons is not here until the summer. While we're talking receiver, Jason, of course, one of the questions that's going to pop up and has popped up quite a bit already in the chat, and we're going to be taking y'all's questions from the chat um, for as long as we're going tonight, so keep dropping them and we'll try and hit the questions. Of course, Perry Thompson is a hot topic of discussion. Um, I've seen it quite a bit now in the chat. Um, He posted yesterday on Wednesday in-home visit pictures with both Auburn and Alabama. Um, Auburn obviously sent Coach Freeze, Marcus Davis, Zach Etheridge there to see him. Um, Alabama had Nick Saban, Kevin Steele, 
Um, I think Coach Wiggins, the receivers coach, maybe one more. I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, might have been there too. I'm not sure, but maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, both in-state staffs, um, both schools that have held his commitment now. Um, Auburn obviously holding his commitment at the moment. Um, going home with him this week. That's something that we expected would happen. That's what happens in big boy recruiting battles. And now it's Auburn trying to get to the finish line with Perry Thompson. That's it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you expect. Um, Auburn's doing the same thing with KJ Bolden, and you're doing the same thing with LJ McCray and Amars Williams, and and the, you know the list goes on and on. Cohen Eccles, um, guys that are that are committed, teams are going to still recruit them. That's that's just the way this thing works. And and um, you know Perry Thompson's been a guy that's been very vocal for months now that hey, it's Auburn, um, but I'm sure he's getting plenty of pressure from you know. All them coaches and and folks around, you know that that want to go to Alabama. There's a bunch of those folks, just like there's a bunch of them that want to go to Auburn. So it's going to be a battle. Um, I expected nothing less, and and you know I think Auburn, like we said, the folks we've talked to, um, guys that that talked to him, his you know his future teammates, and guys like Bryce Kane and Malcolm Simmons, they feel good about Perry. Now all we have to do is wait. Uh, there's there's not much else that's going to come out of this one. Um, I don't imagine he's going to be talking to a bunch of folks. Um, we'll just have to see what happens on Wednesday, but I think, you know, everything's still, you know, I think the, the folks still feel good about Perry Thompson and that's all you, that's all you can do right now is just, uh, just take it to the finish line and see what happens. Yep. Um, you know, welcome in and Duke's here. He's here now. Um, Jason, you know, the thing that we've talked about is you can't go and try and recruit Amaris Williams and you can't go and try and recruit LJ McCray and KJ Bolden, those guys, and not expect other schools to go after your commits too. When you've got yeah. good guys, people want them, and yeah, that's we we, we were talking about it, Dukes. Before you, me and Chris were talking about this afternoon, that we didn't really have a whole lot of these the last couple of years. There weren't a whole lot of these that went up. They really started with Hugh Freeze and the, those guys in December, but the previous two years, there weren't a whole lot of these where you went up. Oh, what's going to happen on signing day? Because they weren't in those battles. When you're in these battles. You're gonna, hey, you hope you win more than you lose. And they've already won a bunch of these to this point, but you're going to have these, but you've got to fight to the finish line. And um, it's a strange feeling for Auburn fans because they hadn't worried about that too much until this staff came on board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, when you recruit at this level, there it, there's a price that comes along with doing high-level business, so to speak. And uh, – when you have five stars committed to you and you're going after other five stars, just to reiterate what you guys are saying, it's just part of it. I think one of the things that you would look at is look at the level of guys that are leaving Georgia right now. Look at the level of guys that are leaving Alabama. Like you've got guys who can leave schools like that and go be productive players at other schools. And we really haven't seen a lot of that leaving Auburn. But as they start to recruit higher and higher, you're going to start seeing that. So next year in the portal, you're going to see guys that you're that you made that fans will say, oh, man, that guy was good. But when you have guys stacked, um, it's just a part of it, of high level recruiting. And I think that this is uh, Auburn's first taste in a very long time of having guys who other schools really want that feel like, hey, these are real guys. We need to go try to poach Auburn. Usually it's being uh, if he's, you know, in the past couple of years, just to just to be honest, um, I had a guy at at Georgia tell me and I wrote it. I wrote this last year and uh, it was a I forgot who the kid was. And they were saying, all we got to do is say, what can you get at 
Auburn that you can't get at Georgia. And we're not worried about it. Let him take all the visits that he wants. He's going to come to Georgia. Now, that's not true. So there's a target on Auburn's back right now because they're the ones with the hype. Auburn has the momentum with a lot of these five stars. And, and yeah, I think it's just part of high-level recruiting, and it's a, it's a good problem to have. Yep, it's just the way things go. Um, and we'll have you covered over at AuburnUndercover.com with full coverage leading up to sign-in day. Obviously, sign-in day coverage and all that. So make sure if you're not over there, um, make sure that you are over there. Here's a question from the chat. Is the dead period only for transfers or is it also for high school and junior college? It's for everybody, junior college, high school, transfers. Once the clock hits midnight on Sunday, going into Monday, it'll be a dead period until I believe January 12th. Here's a good question. Someone that we haven't touched on yet. from Kyle, um, if Amaris Williams flip, does LJ McCray follow? Jason, we were there and talked with Amaris Williams after his visit on Tuesday before going to Hattiesburg. Um, the Florida commit who's ranked number 47 in the country. Um, number 11 defensive lineman, I want to say, um, was his first visit to Auburn, but it was a pretty positive visit. You know, that Florida, I don't even want to say the Florida class, um, the Florida situation down there has been well-documented in terms of losing commits, losing guys on the roster. Um, I, think it's, thing, I think fluid is the the, uh, the 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 kind way to put it right now. Yes, uh, things are not going overly well down there, um, and we can relate to that after the past couple of years um, covering that. But um, Auburn is trying to take advantage of that, um, and the latest is with Amaris Williams. After talking to him, I would be very surprised if he ended up sticking with Florida. Um, Georgia is in the mix as well as Auburn, as is Ohio State. Um, But, Jason, it seems like Auburn has positioned itself really well to get a late addition to the class and a really, really good defensive lineman. Kind of feels like Auburn, Ohio State at this point, and and I might lean a little bit to Auburn. Uh, the small town atmosphere feel for him, and you know, got to learn a little bit more about him from talking to some folks around him. And you know, this is a guy that that is just now 17 years old, weighed about 225 pounds at this time last year, changed to a school that that where he could get into a strength and conditioning program, all that stuff. And he's just now scratching the surface, and um, this is a talented kid. And so, um, I think it's the guy that you could almost see in a similar situation as Keldrick Falk last year, where you go kind of smaller school, you come in, kind of hit the ground running and play your way into that role. And, um, you know, at about 260, 265 pounds, probably play it, you know, 265, 270, uh, but, but athletic and just really um, kind of un, untouched on, on what he's going to be. So I, I think, I would lean towards Auburn right now for him. We'll see what happens this weekend. Was originally supposed to go to Georgia. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. So this, you know, unless he were to visit somewhere else, this might be just an Auburn Ohio State thing that that it comes down to. And I kind of like Auburn chances. Yeah. And to answer Kyle's question, uh, the second part of it, I guess, is does LJ McCray follow? Um, still unsure about LJ McCray. Kind of feels like Florida's got a pretty good grasp on that recruitment. Um, but in my opinion. Um, if Auburn is able to get Amaris Williams in the boat here before signing day, you know, if that's not a signing day flip, that would be best case scenario for Auburn because that gives you a little bit more time to try and work LJ McCray. Um, because at that point, LJ's looking around and he doesn't see Jamonte Waller anymore, he doesn't see Amaris Williams anymore. Who's left? You know, yeah, who, it, it would be about hey, what am I gonna do this by myself kind of situation on that defensive front? Um, yeah, the interesting thing is, is that. Something people have to remember. Um, you know, think people go, how 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 do would you still go there? Well, this you know, LJ McCray's kind of grown up with Florida. That's that's kind of always been his school. 
um, sometimes you, you, you see go, Hey, I don't care. That's where I want to go. Um, and, and that might be the situation with him. I know he's, you know, we know he's really close with, with Jeremy Garrett, but with, with the coaching staff at Auburn, is that enough? Um, but you're right. I think if it would be helpful if you start to, to, to see it even more cracks in the hull of that boat as you get closer to signing day. Speaking of trying to get big time flips, um, some questions in the chat, of course, on KJ Bolden, the five-star Florida State safety commit. Um, Auburn went in home with him last week, as did Georgia. Florida State went in home this week. I believe Auburn sent Zach Etheridge um, to go and visit him as well this week. You know, the head coach only gets one in home visit. Um, assistant coaches can go once a week. Dukes, um, you know, Auburn has made a push, but he's expected in Tallahassee this weekend for an official visit. Might be tough to try and usurp that, especially with Florida State getting that last visit. Um, but just kind of what's your feeling on that on Thursday night now? Um, I feel like Auburn has positioned itself very, very well, um, as well as you could hope for. Um, there is a lot of concern. I literally just got a phone call um, from someone in the know in Tallahassee that was asking me, like, hey, how do you guys really feel about KJ? Um, I, I got a little more to put into uh, Duke Scoops uh, this week. Uh, that'll be on uh, AuburnUndercover.com, so make sure you go sign up so you can hear first. But, uh, yeah, some very, very interesting notes coming out of that visit yesterday that I think people would be uh, – Auburn fans would probably be, probably be pleased to hear. Um, and, yeah, I don't think Auburn is out of it at all. I would really pay attention to uh, the scheduling of that visit this weekend to Florida State, uh, how early he returns from that visit. Does he get out of Tallahassee early enough to make the game on Sunday? Um, and does he have to make the game? Um can he just come to Auburn? No. Is, is there a way for Auburn to get some some really, really good contact with him? Is it a Zoom meeting on when, on a Sunday evening? There are a lot of different ways that uh, I've, I'm hearing that Auburn uh, will be trying to position themselves to make sure that they get some contact with KJ. And I think that uh, he's going to be listening and right now, I think it's strictly an Auburn-Florida State battle for K.J. Bolden. I don't expect Georgia to be one of the finalists. Even though he's committed, this feels like uh, his commitment day. It feels like August all over again. Um, and that's what we kind of predicted in August, that it would, you know, this is going to go until December. And that's coming to fruition. And I think that as long as Auburn has a fighting chance, they're going to use every ounce of their will in order to try to make this happen especially with uh, showing up along the defensive line. about A couple of weeks ago on one of the Duke scoops, I was saying, you know, he was re- uh, the Bolden family was really concerned about who was going to be on the defensive line, and L.J. McCray would be a, a, a big domino that fell. But now with Williams looking like he, you know, has an opportunity to come, you're, you're looking at that defensive line class and you're getting the vibe of, man, you remember when – Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson and that class came through and you had Nick Cole and all of these guys who are able to, and Auburn was able to send guys in waves. And that's what it looks like. Again, high level guys coming in waves, staying fresh. What does that do for a secondary? And Auburn has done really well in the secondary lately. Now imagine having that high level defensive talent in the front end that you're developing, not out of the portal, not out of Juco, you're developing high level guys in your system. How much does that help a secondary? And I think that's what's giving K.J. Bolden a lot to think about. It's it's something you look at right now. You think about 
if you were to, to add a, a, a Mars Williams to, you know, we just talked about Malik Block to TJ Lindsay, but the, the Jamata Waller and Joe Phillips, and then the linebacker group you have where you have Demarcus Riddick and, and, uh, you know, you think about all those guys have ability to rush the passer. And then you have DJ Barber, that classic middle linebacker. You start talking about the front seven group with a Keldrick Falk in year number two with Darren Reed, a guy that they really like, um, that's redshirted this year out of Columbus, Georgia. Yeah, there's some pieces that still need to come, but they've done a lot, just like they've done on offensive line, done a lot of work in, in just a short time when you start talking about front seven turnover, you know, that they've done in this with this staff. Yep. Here's the easiest question we can answer all night. When is early signing day? That is next Wednesday, December 20th. That's a layup for us right there. It uh, is. Yeah. Question from Knox. Um, is Cohen Eccles going to wait to early signing day to make his final decision? He's actually waiting longer. Just a couple of days longer, Jason. Yep. You had a the note 20, on that. The 22nd. Um, message him. And he's actually going to LSU this weekend, Stu. Wilt Fong had a story on Cohen. But um, talked to him. I guess it was – it was sometime when we were on the road, either going to Hattiesburg or coming back from Hattiesburg. Uh, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm waiting till my birthday on December 22nd uh, to to sign and do things then. So I had to wait around a couple of days uh, to see what Cohen Eccles is going to do. Um, Texas A&M still in the mix. But once you back off that one, it, it sure feels like it's going to be more Auburn LSU at this point. Um, but A&M still working it. Here's a question from David. Um, all right, so besides potentially Ryan Williams, is there anybody else either in this class or uh, in the class or outside in high school that you see us going after early signing period or is it just transfers? I'll actually have a story on that tomorrow in terms of the final five, um, five days away, final five targets. Really, it's O-line. You've got Cohen Eccles and Favor Edwin still out there. D-line, you have LJ McCray, Amaris Williams, Ryan Williams, as he mentioned. And then KJ Bolden. There's really six guys. Yeah. It's really kind of down to six right now um, that they're focused on. Here's a question from EMJ. Are y'all hearing anything on Dante Dowdle, the running back that entered the portal from Oregon? Haven't really. Um, I mean, he's. It doesn't. Auburn didn't take a high school back um, for a reason, or it doesn't yeah. look like they will at least. Um, and it, I don't think they want to transfer um, no, either. They, you, know, you still, you feel. I think right now it feels like that that all four of those guys will be returning from last season. So you'll have four guys. You'll kind of have your class kind of set up, and then probably allow you to take two backs next year. So next year you might have a transfer situation with a true freshman kind of mixed in. Obviously, Alvin Henderson's a huge twenty twenty five target. There's some other guys out there, but you right now you go okay. It's almost like the NFL draft, and you're in this you're in the sixth round, going okay what are we going to do with, with this spot? And you go, do we need another running back or are we better off going to add another defensive lineman? If you got four guys coming back and the four guys you feel like can all play, then you're going, Hey, let's go beef up the line of scrimmage somewhere. And I, that's what it feels like. Here's an interesting question from Noel. Um, chances a name we haven't heard joins the class on signing day. Um, well, that would be a surprise to us. You know, those six names I just mentioned, but does uh, the, the transfer side, Transfer it, side, it yes. Absolutely happened. Um, we saw Avery Jones happen in a matter of hours last year. Yeah. That's where one could just pop up quickly. It doesn't feel like that way from the recruiting class, high school, JUCO kind of normal recruiting cycle. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it's that that case. Speaking of that, another question from Noel actually. Um, question for Dukes on Xavier's story or sorry, goodness. 
the linebacker from Georgia that's in the portal. Um, any info from what we've gathered, it does not seem like Auburn is really pursuing because he's not really a true inside linebacker. Yeah, I think uh, Auburn, uh, from what I gather, Auburn saw him more as a uh, edge rusher and the, the holes, they don't have as many opportunities there when you think about McLeod and um, McCall- I think McAllister's coming back too. No, have, you got McLeod, but then you'll have you know, Brent Williams is there, and then you're yeah. bringing in a couple of young guys. They they probably like to have a if they could find another older edge rusher, maybe. Um, but right. uh, I think again, I think it's you get you know McLeod back and the young guys, and you're probably just gonna say, "Hey, let's roll." Yeah, for, and from what I heard, um, sorry uh, that he wants to stand up, uh, so that that kind of took away a. Uh, got a pretty good relationship with his family. So um, if I were to bet right now, he'll end up in uh, Arkansas with uh, T-Wheel. Um, I think that's just where it is now. There's another Georgia linebacker in the port. I, I talked to uh, Christian about the other day that I felt like was going in. It's uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson. And uh, I do know uh, – and I'll have a little bit more on that in uh, Duke Scoops, but uh, he's somebody that I do feel like uh, Auburn, if they do get the opportunity, they'll pursue. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of the linebacker position, let's start touching on some of the transfers that are supposed to be on campus this weekend. Um, Duke linebacker Dorian Mossy, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Um, he'll be in camp. He'll be on campus this weekend for an official visit. Um, former San Jose State offensive tackle Fernando Carmona will also be there. He's a name that we've talked about a bunch. Talked about him last week. Um, the news came out. I guess it was yesterday um, that the former Penn defensive lineman Joey Slackman um, will be on campus for an official visit. That's a big one that came fresh off the news, kind of Marcus Harris departed, Auburn offered him, and then just a couple of hours later, um, he scheduled a visit. Jaleel Skinner, the former Miami tight end, who was also committed to Alabama at one point in the recruiting cycle. Um, He was a top 100 guy. I think he was the number four tight end in his class. I think those are the transfer visitors. Might be missing one. We have all the list over at auburnundercover.com, so if you're watching this and I am missing one, you can go and check it out over there. Um, But We'll start with we'll start with Mossy, um, the former Duke linebacker. Jason, yeah, we've touched on linebacker a couple of times over the past couple of weeks now is a position where they're really focused on trying to add one guy inside spot. Um, and this is a potential potential good candidate for that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, again, it's trying to talk about bridging the gap a little bit, bridging the gap to a DJ Barber, bridging the gap to some of these young linebackers. And you got some guys back that that have have played and, and and done some good things especially when you think about you know maybe more the outside guys especially right now i mean yeah you know, i would kind of lean towards eugene asante coming back i think he's a guy that needs to kind of find that role a little bit more at auburn in this defense and you think about him and cam riley and some of the guys you got playing that linebacker spot um and going okay what do you find a find a guy that's a the, a classic linebacker with that that bigger bit bigger body and, and doing some of those things and you know, this is one of those guys that does it and so um you know can can you be a guy that 
that kind of handles that load. I mean, he's, you know, this has got this 6'2", 230, has uh, played a lot of football, but <clears throat> really uh, you know, productive when you talk about, you know, a guy that had 60-some-odd tackles and, you know, playing on a defense that um, did a pretty good job until some injuries hit him. So um, I think it'd be a, a really a really interesting fit. Um, but, yeah, we feel pretty sure that they want to find somebody else that's an older, experienced guy at that linebacker spot to kind of help them you know, just like we saw last last season. Yeah, I want to kind of two-part Joey Slackman because someone in the chat said, um, I really wish someone would have ponied up some money for Marcus Harris. That's going to be a felt loss. Definitely agree that that's going to be a felt loss for Auburn. But, you know, it comes a point for guys where it's, I, I, I got to move on to the next level. I've accomplished what I can accomplish. Marcus Harris, kind of a smaller, undersized defensive lineman a little bit, had a fantastic season, um, and he it, did – it's almost reminds me a little bit of Peyton Barber, different position, but Peyton Barber said, "Look, am I ever going to be hotter than I am right now?" And for Marcus Harris, you go, "What do I have to do to get more attractive than I am right now?" I'm going to be a year older. Can am I a guy that's going to have 15 sacks next year? Probably not as a defensive tackle, but do what he did this year. You go, if I want to have a chance to play in the NFL, you know, quarterbacks different. There's some other positions, but. You start talking about you know you know those lines of scrimmage and it's kind of like it is kind of like running back where you go hey the less tread on the tires maybe the better off you are and so yeah i think it's more of that with marcus but you're right now christian now um, i'm sure there 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 was no question there was some hey what it was it going to take to stay now you can slide that towards the uh the ivy league defensive player of the year and see if you can get a guy like that to come in yes joey slackman was offered on wednesday Really, really impressive stats. He's got quite a few offers out of the transfer portal as well. I think he's visited some schools. I really don't know where off the top of my head. I just I just don't remember, to be honest, too many names to track. Uh, but Auburn will get the last visit, at least until it goes dead for about a month or so, three weeks or so. Um, and so then he is going to be definitely one to be tracking this weekend, as will Jaleel Skinner. Um, I'll just touch on him real quick. Auburn has been very selective about what it does at tight end. Um, it's flirted with some guys in high school recruiting. Um, Martavius Collins is committed, but that's a guy that we've said for a while now we don't expect to end up in the class. More of a blocking guy, and Auburn wants more of a receiving uh, pass catcher at tight end. Um, and as they've looked at the portal, they've been very specific about it needs to be someone with three years of eligibility or more still remaining uh, because you have those older guys in Rivaldo Fairweather. You have Luke Deal. You have Brandon Frazier. Luke Deal has already said he's coming back. Looks like Rivaldo and Brandon Frazier will do the same. Micah Riley will have two years left. So they kind of want to layer the depth chart a little bit, get a younger guy if they do go out of the portal. Jaleel Skinner would have three years of eligibility remaining um, at his next stop. So he'll be in this weekend as well. Uh, we talked about it last week, but it's definitely worth noting. Fernando Carmona will be on campus, the San Jose State offensive tackle transfer, um, especially after you know, Auburn was in pursuit of Vinny Scurry, um, the Toledo guard ended up committing to Texas Tech um, before he was supposed to be on campus this weekend. So it doesn't look like he's going to end up visiting. So now there's even a little bit more pressure to go and get Carmona, try and land a commitment from him, slide Dylan Wade inside. Then you have Dylan Wade at guard, Jeremiah Wright at guard, still have Jaden Muskrat, um, still have some other options there at guard as well, some younger guys. And you could still hit the portal maybe for another one as well. Mac Pounders is still out there, the former Memphis um, offensive tackle. So 
that's kind of a recap of the portal. I'm trying to think if we've missed anything in terms of recent portal news. Will Shepard committed to Colorado. Um, Auburn liked him, but once it was t- determined that he could not enroll um, at his next school until the summer, it slowed things down a little bit. Auburn didn't you know, fully move on, but um, you know that's kind of a that's kind of situation there. Um, let's touch on you know we were waiting for Nathan a little bit. Let's touch on the 2024 schedule a little bit because I do want to get Dukes' thoughts. I want to get Jason's thoughts on it. Jason, you had a column on it earlier. Um, all in all, it's an interesting layout for Auburn, and it's not the easiest schedule in the world, but when it comes to Auburn, it's one of their more favorable schedules in recent memory. Yeah, it, for this team and thinking about a bunch of young wide receivers that you're expecting to play, um, some other positions where you're kind of – young secondary guys that you're going to have to play uh, newcomers in both those spots. Not the worst thing in the world to play your first five games at home. Uh, It's not the greatest thing, um, but it's not the worst thing in the world because those guys are going to be able to hit the ground running and get a ton of experience early on. They're going to get to do it at home and maybe build some confidence. So not the worst thing this year. Um, The, the issue for me is maybe from a recruiting standpoint, I had, Stephen Axon used to work with us, you know, when we were inside the Auburn Tigers and said, you know, think about it in this term. Um, You have that Oklahoma game, the end of September. The only home games you have left are, you know, Vanderbilt and Texas A&M is really the only marquee type home game left after September. That's it. That that's tough. That 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 makes that's a hard from a recruiting standpoint, but I think it actually sets up from a season standpoint. It's about as favorable as an Auburn schedule can be, to be quite honest. And so, I think there's a chance to go out there. You get to four and zero and have Oklahoma at home, and it is going to be off the rails in Jordan Hare Stadium next year. And I think there's a there's a very real possibility that could be the case. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, that game, I'm already thinking about it, like how crazy the atmosphere is going to be in Jordan here, you know, as far as, uh, you know, a Big 12 newcomer coming, uh, playing Auburn. Is this the first time in – is this the first time they played? First, They've only played twice in Sugar Bowls. That's it. So they've never they've never done a home thunk. So this will be the first time they would have played in, in Auburn. Yeah, it, 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 I think it's going to be ridiculous. And uh, to your point about recruiting, I, I, I was thinking the same thing, kind of like, like, wow, like, you always want that last signature game at home where you can get all the guys in. Hey, this is what this is how we started. This is how we finished. I think Auburn would be better positioned to hold on to guys next year once they see some of the younger guys playing. You see this infusion of talent. You see how this class affects uh, next uh, affects the the product next year. You won't need. There won't be as heavy a, a onus on that late season game as it has been in the past two to three years where you had to have that late game against Texas A&M last year to get everybody there and Cadillac wins and all of that type stuff. You know, that that, that was pretty much the turning point for last year's recruiting class uh, before Hugh Freeze got here. So I think uh, next year, I think the schedule, like you said, is as favorable as possible. Every year we get that, that off year with Alabama, Georgia, um, it's always going to be difficult. Uh, hold on, just, just so I'm, I'm clear, it's still going to be – away games for both of those next year right yes yeah so yeah and it's that off year it, you know it's always rough when you got to go to both uh away so 
Uh, I'm just interested to see another year of Peyton Thorne in this offense. Right now, it looks like he'll be the guy next year. Um, I don't see Auburn at this point going after another portal quarterback. So, And from what I'm hearing, they really feel like the development and the progress that he made uh, last year towards the end of the year is going to carry over. So I think having those first five home games and being able to get him rolling and seeing what he can really do, maximizing his talent early on to go a long way as far as Auburn being competitive into the late season. And the crazy thing is, is that, you know, people talking about money, the the money that's being thrown around and there, there's too many of them saying the same numbers for it to, to be way off for one year quarterbacks for guys that are going to be on campus for, you know, you know, eight, nine months is just insanity. Um, especially when, you know, Christian mentioned something earlier about Will Shepard, not spring practice. We saw it this year, how vitally important it is. I don't care how long, how many games the guys played, how vitally important it is to be in it for spring practice. I think it is absolutely part of the decision-making process for Hugh Freeze and, and this staff right now after what we just saw where guys really struggled. I mean, Peyton Thorne, a three-year starter at a Big Ten, and it took him a while to kind of get his footing in an offense. Shane Hooks never got it. Jair Shorter never got it. Rivaldo Fairweather just is so athletic that he was able to overcome it, but uh, he never really settled in either. Um, when he went through the spring, too. It took yes, him a while. he yeah. went through the spring. And it, like I said, it, it, even, you look at all the guys. We just saw a Heisman Trophy group. We saw the winner. We saw Bo Nix in there. We saw the runner-up. So all three of the guys that were the top three guys in the Heisman Trophy were second year. Second year in the system, second year playing in the same place, all those things. Think about, you know, Kayla Williams obviously did it in one year, but completely different situation out there, I believe. But um, but he also played with the same coach in the same system. That had a big deal, big part of that one. I I think year two is is such a difference maker, but also spring practices too. Yes, and it will be very helpful when you add a guy like Robert Lewis, when you add Camp Coleman – Add Perry Thompson, Malcolm Simmons, Bryce Kane, maybe a Jaleel Skinner with a Rivaldo Fairweather, maybe moving Dylan Wade inside, building up that offensive line even more. Um, so it'll be it'll be fun to see. Uh, we'll hit a couple more questions from the chat and then probably call it for tonight. Um, are we looking at punters and place kickers? Uh, not looking at a punter. Oscar Chapman is expected back. Are trying to get a place kicker. Um, Jason, we got a chance to see him again um, this week in Hattiesburg. Towns Magoo from Auburn High. Auburn is hoping to add him as a preferred walk-on um, with some NIL to help kind of supplement that. Old Miss is recruiting him the same way. He'll be on Old Miss's campus this weekend for an official visit, um, but Auburn is really hoping that they can get him because a lot of people at Auburn think that Alex McPherson may only have one more year here because um, then he'd be three years, and a lot of NFL scouts have said that they'd be ready to take him after three years if he continues this progression. So Towns Magoo is – the main special teams guy um, at yeah. kicker. Yeah, if you don't miss kicks, the NFL teams are pretty excited to, to, to maybe bring you on board. That's what Alex McPherson's done is not miss kicks, but uh, Tams McGue is is crazy in terms of, of leg strength and a guy that we talked about early on. Um, Bryce Kane only playing football for a couple of years. Christian, we were laughing at, at these kids were watching <laughs> – Towns kicking in all-star practice. He's kicking from like 57 digs and guys going over there going, how long have you been kicking? He goes, 
when do you hear? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a soccer guy. And and so he's just now kind of getting used to, to kicking football and uh, did not miss a kick inside 56 yards this year. How, how, big, how big is he? Towns is probably 5'11", 185, somewhere around in there. Probably, yeah. you know, he's built more like a safety than, than okay. you know, kind of that soccer background. He's not the big, huge guy, but he is he is pretty thick. Um, okay. But, yeah, so that's that would be the guy. Punter-wise, you got a kid that redshirted this year, Gabe Russo from, from Montgomery. Um, we saw his little brother punt the state championship game. Uh, Gabe's the guy that, that has a strong leg and was an All-American high school punter that walked on at Auburn. So a guy that could probably be next in line to, to maybe take over that role too. Yeah, going back to the schedule a little bit, um, isn't the first away game at Georgia? Yes, it is. It will also be after Georgia goes at Alabama the week before. Um, so Georgia doesn't necessarily have the easiest setup there either. Um, and I also did look at that last weekend, that Texas A&M weekend, or second to last weekend, I should say. Alabama will be at Oklahoma. At, at Oklahoma. And Georgia hosts UMass. So you will have an opportunity locally in the Southeast. You know, Texas A&M might not be at the level we've seen them over the exactly. last couple of years. Oh, but It would be a huge weekend. Yeah, it'll be it'll be your chance to still get guys on campus to end it in terms of game day. Um, we've obviously seen what's happened in December with visitors and guys coming in and whatnot. Take a couple more questions from the chat if we can find them. A lot of Perry Thompson stuff. We touched on that earlier in the show. So definitely go back and watch that if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, basically um, the, the answer is just wait and see. Alabama's going to keep coming. Auburn still still working, and, and everybody we talk to still feels good. But you, you never know until uh, till that ink and, and that, that, uh, that thing finishes on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, here's a question we can answer from Matt. If Ryan Williams flips, when would he arrive on campus, winter, summer? Whether or not he's at Auburn or Alabama, he's enrolling in the summer. Um, so um, we talked to him again this week, um, and he reiterated his plan to sign on his birthday, February 9th. The February signing period opens February 7th, um, and then a couple of days later, that's still his plan to sign on February 9th. Um, I'm sure Alabama has been pushing to get him to wrap things up in December, um, Auburn may be feeling like they want to try and get things wrapped up if you know if they can and try and get him as well. But as of now, it seems like he's pretty pretty sure about signing on February 9th. Yeah, and, and yeah, he when guys graduate early, they're they're ending their a half year early. For him, it would be a year and a half early. So he still has to finish this year because he's not even a senior. He just now became a senior. So He's still got some things to finish, but basically they're like, hey, your requirements are done for you to finish in this year, but there's still some things that he'll have to do between now and, and the end of school year. Yeah, um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Not a ton of questions that we haven't hit in the chat. A lot of the same stuff. It's it's that the way that the 2024 class is kind of set up where the staff has already put them in a pretty good position going into the close. You know, That's not something we've been familiar with over the past couple of years. Over the past couple of years, it's been – not only do they need to flip guys, but they still need to add guys and they still need to fill out. The Auburn's class is at 20 commitments, I want to yeah. say now, after getting that, Seth Wilford. That's the way it has to happen. You have to be able to start on the next class while you're putting the finishing touches on the current class. Auburn's done that in 2025. Heck, they've even done a little bit in 2026. That's what you got to be able to do, and that's what they've done. Uh, big basketball game Sunday. So, yes. he's when USC, who knows – LeBron may show up. If he does, it will be even crazier uh, in, in the arena, uh, Neville Arena on Sunday, but should be a fun one. Uh, I Really, just, just basketball for a second, 
huge Saturday. Indiana plays Kansas at home. Auburn just blew the doors off Indiana. What does that one look like? But there's some big games for this league to go out and play teams too. Saturday's a big basketball day, even though Auburn's not playing. Opponents playing teams. Baylor plays at Michigan State. Um, so there's some some big things going on. And yes, Sunday will be a huge recruiting environment with that basketball game going on. Some guys coming in. Should be a lot of fun. Yep. We'll have it all covered over at AuburnUndercover.com. Um, everybody that watched this video um, and that was in the live, really appreciate it and really appreciate y'all's questions. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube, make sure to go and do that down below. Totally free. Doesn't cost you anything. Um, here, here's actually a good one before I totally wrap it up. Connor's pitch to Ryan Williams on Instagram Live last night was priceless. That made the rounds on social media. Um, Eugene Asante went live um, and brought on um, a little kid named Connor, uh, making his pitch to Ryan Williams to try and flip. Um, Keontae Scott was there. He's always involved. It's, it's recruiting. Damari Alston, Jalen Simpson as well. Um, but that definitely made the rounds on Wednesday night with Connor trying to recruit Ryan Williams. With that being said, we will wrap it up there. Really appreciate everyone that joined. Um, I don't think we'll do a show over the next couple of days. You know, at this point, we'd be talking about the same stuff that we already have. But the plan is to go live on Monday, yep. go live again on Tuesday on signing day eve, and then we'll have our signing day show probably like seven thirty or eight o'clock, and we'll go for an hour, hour and a half, try and bring as many of the commits on as possible. See all we can get to join us. Yep, maybe we'll get some of our rankings guys, maybe we'll get a coach who knows. We'll see. We're already planning that. Um, so we'll have that next Wednesday. Um, appreciate everyone tuning in. Like I said earlier, if you're not over at auburnundercover.com, come check us out. You can still join for 50% off an annual sub. So that'll get you all the way to uh, signing day next year. And we will catch you guys over there and we'll catch you guys on here again on Monday. <laughs>